Alan Quinlan is with us. Um, Alan, the news has come that uh, Nick Whitesman stood down for 12 days, which is what happens when they see you stumbling on the pitch. They're like, oh, you, you shouldn't be playing rugby. Um, but what actually happened was that uh, his stumble seemed to have been missed by the relevant people and he was allowed back onto the field. And afterwards he was like, I was fine, I passed my HIA. Um, so rather than getting into like the whole uh, back and forth about um, the rights and wrongs of this, you immediately said in commentary... you you thought that was the end of his game and then when he came back on that you were very uncomfortable about it so I think I know how you feel about it what should happen what are the lessons that need to be learned to prevent this from happening again it's that's something that um, needs to be really tidied up in this situation because it's not as if we don't have proper camera angles we don't have enough of people there I think the independent match doctor has come out and said he's looking at the first incident in the replay. Um, I'm on commentary and I can see that Nick White gets a heavy fall and hits his head off the ground when he's trying to tackle Mac Hansen into touch. He's kind of crunched down, um, looks dazed. Wouldn't be usually concerned with that one. He looked dazed and I have no issue with him playing on. I wouldn't be saying he's got to get off the field there. Um... There was no wobbles there on that one, but he looked dazed. Um, I think from the line out, then he obviously it's tapped off, the, it's taken off the top, and he's trying to hit his back row up the mid, middle middle of the field to get a create a breakdown for the kicking option, and um, has to take it on himself, and he gets tackled and hits Josh van der Fleer's knee. I think pretty much straight away, I can see that he's in a bit of trouble. He's in a spot of bother. The replay comes up and within probably 20-30 seconds I can see that obviously after the ball is cleared and stuff like that we can see that he doesn't look good. So I think that the independent match doctor has come out now and said that um, he was watching the first incident. Well, I've seen the first incident and it's done in my head at this stage so I don't know why he's back re-watching it and re-watching it. I know, I know the analysis there. So what can we learn from it? That needs to speed up. I know the independent match doctor is a doctor. He's not a commentator. He's not a rugby person in a sense. Does he need more support and backup? Well, once I the referee th- says, uh, I saw him stumbling, that's surely that. Sure. What are the Australian doctors doing? Forget about the independent match doctor here for a minute. What are they doing to protect their player? Nothing. They're letting it happen. Their doctors went onto the field and their medical people went on and they tried to keep David Parecki on the field. He's stumbling around the place. He's played and hit two or three rocks after he gets his initial knock. He's trying to stay on the field. Actually, the game was stopped because Ben White was ben, um, or ben O'Keefe was trying to, you know, restart the game. So, like that was for me was like why is this player being kept on the field here and eventually he he leaves the field David Parecki the starting hooker and he's obviously got a heavy knock but why aren't they watching what, what, what's going on here with okay they don't have the replay the screen so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there but when they go in there and the doctor is with and the medical people are with um, Nick White and he's crunched down and he fall, nearly falls backward he stands up and he, he stumbles for me, there's an opportunity there for for the Australian medical team to step in and, and say he's actually stumbled. He's so, gone, so we're not sending him for HIA. He has to go then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's no HIA, and the match doctor, the independent match doctor that we're talking about, who's watching the first replay, doesn't even come into the picture. We call it ourselves, and I would like 
team doctors to be able to oh, the independent match doctor is there because we had some stuff and I think with uh, George North uh, a few number of years ago played a few games club games and internationals and he, he and unfortunately he got a number of kind of bangs and knocks there was one particular one um, where he played on for Northampton against Leicester he was clearly knocked out and it was missed and he gets up and stumbles and he ends up being on the field for a period of time Um this this can't be allowed to happen at the top level because it trickles right down through the game. Um, the magic sponge scenario with a group of kids on a Sunday morning or junior rugby players in, yeah, I, uh, playing, like you'd actually think seconds, thirds, fourths, yeah. fifths, or whatever. You know they've got to come off the field. And the problem we have here is second impact syndrome. So he's got, um, and this happened the young kid in Belfast, uh, Benjamin Robinson, a number of years ago. His da- mum and dad have been very vocal about speaking out about what happened to Benjamin and it should never happen. And, you know, Nick White, I thought, very strategically has rolled out for media. Like, even even doing that is a sign that they knew they'd messed up and they put him out there to say, oh no, I was fine, I was fine, I was fine. I never played against Nick White. I never actually met the guy. Um, I'm a big fan of his as a player. He's a brilliant player. He has that bit of niggle that you want and he's confrontation he's a great player and he's been brilliant for them even in, in the tough times but and he's hardy he's tough but he's he's it has to be taken out of the players hands and we cannot keep going on about this time after time after time it keeps happening and for me Ger, this is the biggest story of the game and it happened in the Argentinian Scotland game as well uh, Juan Malia Cruz Malia the Argentinian fullback. He got um, obviously concussed in right at the end of that game against Scotland and was left on the field as well. It cannot happen. And people can criticise World Rugby um, and a lot of concerns about this stuff in the game. But World Rugby have tried to implement the low tackle focus, the zero tolerance around any head collisions, um, and they've stuck to their guns, and I and I think they were dead right. And I've always been an advocate of speaking about that, where they're not shifting, they're not moving. You know these rugby collision comments that we hear. Oh, that's just a rugby collision. That's just a rugby collision. We obviously have to change the behaviours of the players about lower tackle focus. And there was one on Saturday as well with Valentini and um, Dan Sheehan carrying the ball in that first half. Valentini got injured. He hurt his ankle going back but there was a face on face it was like as if their their chins met yeah do you uh, you know the only reason that that wasn't upgraded to a card situation is because Valentini doesn't come forward at that last moment he doesn't move forward with, with, with impact and I think that's what saves him but his tackle technique is not good there he's got to get a bit lower and some of these are accidental and some of them you can say sometimes when there's a head-on-head that it's... Uh, look at the New Zealand one, Angus Tavo, and in, in the second test against Gary Ringrose. He, he's not trying to headbutt or um, use his head to hurt Gary Ringrose, but he's upright. There's a serious head collision there. And, you know, there was a lot of talk in New Zealand. That was just a rugby collision, just a rugby collision. So World Rugby can't be faulted for trying to push and implement this and the referees implementing this. The one thing I'd say is the HIA obviously doesn't work. You know, it, it's the HIA doesn't. Yeah, you know. So, so it, the, the thing here, Jer, and we don't know. And well, and what they did, what they didn't. So you sent me the link to a story about Tua 
Tungabayola, the Miami Dolphins um, quarterback last night. And what happened was they, they looked at how horrific the situation was where he got concussed one week and then sparked out the next week when everybody everybody knew he shouldn't have been playing that second week, right? Um, they just changed the rules after that. They they had a meeting with the Players Association and said, this isn't really working. This is very bad for us and very how bad for you. How that happen in the NFL after everything that's gone on, gone on with all the lawsuits and the because, situations? Because in the modern... Like, you think this is 20 years ago, this stuff. This is... I'll tell you why it happens, right? 2022, that we're watching Nick White in this situation. It happens the same way Nick White can pass the HIA. The, 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 okay. the tools aren't perfect. The tools are actually very imperfect. And so when the it, if tools are imperfect, what you do is you err inside the caution. Well, this is it. And you give them perfect. 12 days. So, so you just, you, like... Like Nick so White passing the HIA is yeah. actually quite so interesting. So for any listeners, do you want to clarify what, what's happened now with... So he's going to serve a 12-day stand-down period. So... Uh, when when they assess you, they assess you a different criteria, and he was criteria uh, two, which is uh, balance disturbance. Right, he's been upgraded um, to a criteria one, which um, so he's been upgraded from criteria two to criteria one because of the balance disturbance. Basically, once you start falling over the balance disturbance that ninety nine. Point nine percent of people saw, yeah. and the ma- independent match de- doctor didn't. Exactly, or the Australian doctors, well, or the Australian coaches, who, who was right there with them actually when he when he stumbled. You know, because he, he's not on his own when he's stumbling. He's actually, as far as I remember, anyway. So look, they they should have the Australians should have self diagnosed and and stood him down, and then there should be better. So I listened to a thing again. The NFL had this thing where the, the co-coms actually get the director's feed. So you watch the, the real play and then you're seeing all of the replays happen immediately on multiple screens. There's no reason why, with all the money in rugby, that that couldn't just be piped into the independent doctor. And there's also no reason why the independent doctor couldn't have a spotter. As far as I know, there were, there were supposed to be spotters yeah. watching rugby matches to see if anybody, because it's too busy. You know, there are literally uh, potentially 30 collisions happening uh, at any one time, fifteen collisions happening at any one time on a match, uh, in a match, in every single moment of that match, you multiply that out with millions and millions. So you need more than this, one person. This, this, this defence that he's watching the first incident, I, I, I'm saying to you, and and I can be challenging this. The first incident for me is his days. I can see that, but I can see his body language is well. It's kind of like down getting a breed or getting winded chain or something like that. You're up, you stand up, yeah. Uh, presumably they're also listening to the referee's feed which says I saw him stumble and that's the end No, of but I'm saying the first one on Mac Hansen. Then he gets up, the line is kind of set, there's a bit of a break. He, he looks a bit kind of winded, shall we say, whatever. The line takes place and all that happens very, very quickly that the immediate picture of him crunched down with the medical person and stumbling backwards and then standing and stumbling and the referee saying it surely Ben O'Keefe even is needs to come into this situation here where maybe not Ben O'Keefe but maybe he's assistant referees or fourth official that hold on a minute why is Nick White going back out it's difficult for them because they're being told he, I've, he's passed the HI he's yeah been but cleared. I saw him stumble you know, I saw I saw him stumble because he you says know, it. Because I think Ben O'Keefe is the probably one who has to come on and say, right, Nick White's come back on the field. Hold it here. I'm going over to the sideline. I'm yeah. double, triple checking yeah. this here as to what I saw, and he has the power to say no. This yeah. and, that, and, you know, and like and everybody in the world is going to go. Okay, you're airing on the side of of now. Spool it forward. A World Cup semi final. It's uh, it's Johnny Sexton. I don't care. Jerry, I don't care. So, and I, I stand over this. I think um, I don't care if Ireland are playing the World Cup final, and 
it's in the balance and there's 10 minutes to go and the right we're putting the massive pressure on yeah. somebody and we're going to get a penalty or something that Johnny Sexton could potentially kick to win your World Cup final. He's off. And that's, I won't change my stance on that. And, you know, it's easy go over the top here and start, I'm not calling out everyone here and this, but I'm saying this needs, we need to make sure that this doesn't keep, keep happening. Because it keeps happening. It, well, well, the Jeremy Lockman thing should have been, the, like, the thing, but things like that keep happening and there's no learnings from it whatsoever. It's like, in another year or two time if this happens we'll be like we'll remember the next time Ireland came out Shane and apologised and and, you know it can be missed but it shouldn't be missed okay that's what we're saying because Ireland are not um, getting away scot-free with that but they held their hands up and said it shouldn't have happened and and they took him off afterwards you know when they realised the situation and you know look when you're adrenaline rushes coaches in in the box and stuff like that so the Australians are the same you know tight game they're watching stuff they're getting messages down this can be a bit of a sideshow at some stage mm. sometimes it needs to be kind of tidied up now once and for all and you know Nick White coming out after saying I'm fine I pass uh, yeah. big fellas run out well, it's a lot of it's a lot of rubbish yeah. because, because he was told say he was told say that I, I my opinion is he's told roll him out in the media and take the pressure off us they know they messed up here it can't happen. One last thing, right? Uh, the Players Association, what are they doing in all this? At least in the NFL, right? Which And they're like one of the most compromised players associations in the world because they're taking the money from the NFL. Uh, at least they went and said, this isn't good enough. You need to change the rules. I've heard nothing ever yeah, well, look, from the Players yeah. Associations about yeah. concussion. I've never heard them come out and say, oh, we really need to, we, we're going to do something. We're going to go on strike. We're going we're gonna to do anything to raise attention to this. Yeah, and if you look, uh, if you look at the reaction, um, they have to. And I think this week it has to happen. The World Rugby Awards won last night and um, incredibly positive from an Irish point of view as well. So there was a, you know, yesterday and you're digesting this. So I think there needs to be a bit of clarity in this. But I want to hear from the Australians. You know, they're going to Cardiff this week. And they have a number of uh, injuries themselves. And in fairness, they were very, very unlucky with all the injuries they got. Just one of those days and Saturday for them could easily have won the match. But they need to address this, you know, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, talking about the match doctor and the independent doctor saying he was watching the first clip of that they got to call it themselves. Yeah, and okay. I know um, going forward, this isn't, this. none of this is perfect, Ger. The HIA isn't perfect, but it's a much more proactive, better approach than we had 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it still needs to be changed, it, I think. Like if Nick yeah, White's passing HIA... But it's HIA, in very simple you know. terms. And just before we finish on it, if you show signs that Nick White showed on Saturday, i.e. balance and issues like that, you're gone. The game over, and yeah. that's it. Okay. Um, the game itself, right? Uh, so, it's, we, Josh van der Fleer, uh, World Player of the Year. It's a phenomenal achievement from him. And um, we got Team of the Year, second coach, and four players in the team. It's it, and really sensational. Uh, is there any chance we pick too soon? <laughs> no, because I think uh, no. I what, think uh, we, I think um, Fiji and Australia are great for us in a sense that because they even, were so bad yeah, and even if we lost on Saturday and I think I heard Andy Farrell say that maybe a bit of negativity around the team and maybe oh, we're, you know wouldn't do any harm I think we got we're getting that little bit of a different approach to 2018 because of last week and this week and 
oh, this Iron team isn't as good as it, 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 we think. And I don't think we are, maybe, you're never as good as you think you are, you're never as bad as no, you think you are as well. in the middle, right? Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. And so, I think they know that. And I like his, I like Andy Farrell's honesty. I think the players know that. I think they need to be better. Australia made it, you know, the word dogfight was used a lot. Um, it's very true. And, you know, look, I, I don't know what, what people think, um, at home, but I don't think anyone is is getting to that position. I think even in 2018, 19, you know, you pro- I think it was you asked me, could Ireland win a World Cup with what happened? And the honest answer was, well, if they keep playing like this, they're in with a shout and they could. And then it unraveled, obviously. My fault, is that what you're saying? It's all your <laughs> fault, Sherry. Yeah, well... <laughs> You and uh, yeah, you always give out about Wales, and they do brilliantly, don't they? Oh uh, yeah, you know, they've, <laughs> they've, they've got it the right way around. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about Georgia in a moment. Don't worry. Um, in in all honesty, though, right, the the performance wasn't great, and uh, at the same time, it didn't feel like we were going to lose the game at any stage, really. Um, so maybe at the end when they kick to the corner, and I think I think the, the stuff you can take out of that as a player is and coaches is I think. You know, obviously, when your attack isn't flowing and you're turning the ball over a bit, Ireland had 13 turnovers, 27 missed tackles. That's too high. There's lots of stuff in that game that they look at and they think they need they need to be better. But I think there was a period there in the first half where Australia had them under a lot of pressure, and it went to 23 phases, I think. And Ireland looked like you know they came up with a big turnover in the end of it. They looked hungry. They looked like so. The defense. The defense I, I think fundamentally, if for any in any sport, you want to be hard to beat, don't you? First of all, yeah. And you want to be kind of cohesive in your in the way you defend against the opposition. And I think if you do that, then well, you can start adding a little bit to your game as you go along. If you're a brilliant attacking team and you can't defend, well, it's great viewing for everybody because you're going to have high-scoring games, but the, you're rolling the dice every time you play. So I think they've become very robust and strong and they have a good standard where they tackle reload, the numbers they send to the breakdowns, um, the way they spread out a little bit. Now, you can say all oh, that defence was good, but I think Ireland's defence for the Pattaya try where it comes back to 10-all and, and Australia score and then it's you have that nervy end. That wasn't... That was a little bit possibly switching off. Quite narrow. Okay. Craig Casey is literally out uh, your last man with Jimmy O'Brien. And they're in no man's land, not through their own fault, through the narrow player narrowness and, and the inside. So, again, tight match. One, one score like that can cost you a situation. So, even though the defence at times, and you can take a lot out of that, the work rate, they know what they're doing. They're very well connected. Um the turnovers were, were, weren't were as good. You know, I think we our breakdown hasn't been as good, um, particularly in the, the game two and three. Australia, maybe the South African game did take, you know, we got that incredible high right at the start. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty to work on from. And I, look, have we peaked too soon? <laughs> no, because we haven't got that... We haven't got that brilliant, but the year itself has been brilliant. You know, Wales are coming in, in, in the first Six Nations game to Dublin. Dare I say it, you know, that's, you gotta keep that little bit of steel about you. So when you, when the opposition analyze you and when they play against you, you, they know it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. And I think for Ireland 2019, the game plan was pretty direct, a lot of kicking and stuff like that. And there was a lot of, um, you know, 
if you slow Ireland down and you make the breakdown a mess and it's a little bit like the Leinster, st- Leinster situation, well then you you nullify them a bit. So Ireland have got to kind of develop and figure out that when they're slowed down, how do they actually go back and implement a really punishing kicking strategy? You know what I mean? Has the fact that Sexton was injured again... Uh even highlighted, I saw the argument funnily made online that oh, it would have been more beneficial for Jack Crowley to, to have been on the pitch kicking that kick that Ross Byrne took. But does it does it nearly highlight more the need, whatever the order is, whether it's Carberry and then Crowley and then Byrne after Sexton, to, to play those players in the Six Nations and to give them actual experience in big games that mean something? Because, you know, if that happens to Sexton in the World Cup in a big game, these lads need experience in big games themselves. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying last week with, with with the Fiji game that Joey Carberry starts there and he starts against Australia as yeah. well. Didn't happen, and now we have. It's taken away that opportunity for him to do that. So it's it's. Um, I think what happened, Jack Crowley, in the last two weeks, will and even the last number of weeks, been emerging Ireland, being in the Irish squad, will hugely benefit him. Um, Ross Bourne with the kick, what that will do for his confidence. Uh, probably feeling a little bit down and disappointed that he wasn't there involved and kind of challenging in the first place at the start of the campaign. Um, do you start him in the Six Nations? Yeah, well, you have to look at it. You have to look at these situations. And I think um, there's still that difference between what Johnny said. And it's his presence as well and his real determination. And he Is gives the presence anything to do with knock-ons, his absence? Anything to do with the knock-ons and like, level of intensity and focus? Well, you know what, Ger, if they, if they, if if that is a possibility, you know, when when I played for Munster and Paul O'Connell's not in the team, like it was a holiday. Mikko plays <laughs> Mikko Driscoll, who was a brilliant player yeah. international, and he knows it himself. Mikko and Dunnick Ryan, they play in the second row, and, but it's just it's not his general play. It's just the, the build-up, what he's saying before the game dealing with the referee, lifting the crowd. You can start adding layers there that kind of just... And shouldn't be like that because... So maybe that's an intrigue that Andy Farrell now has to figure out, that if Johnny's not out there, who's driving, who's speaking, who's vocal, who's driving that that kind of little spark that you need. And look, you can't just create these type of guys and characters. They're unique sometimes. And Rog was the same for Munster. You know, if he wasn't in our back line, like he was always barking about what we do and the standard and you know they're, 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 he's that type of guy and he's a leader and he's a captain so. and you can see it like it, yeah. you know I, I'm not saying that it was the reason why uh, normally steady under the high ball back three or scrum half suddenly you're catching the ball on their chest and it's bouncing forward and you're like but at you the see, same they're, time what they're dealing with is a bit of they're dealing with that expectation pressure now and it can be challenging like for them some yeah. of them yeah so they're kind of yeah and ultimately you go back 18 months ago like I saw lots of articles about how brilliant Ireland atta- Ireland's attack was in the last ca- summer tour of Six Nations previous year it was rubbish so things can change very quickly yeah, okay. I think they need to add um, a little bit more of a layer to actually going back to being a bit more pragmatic. Sometimes we're we're trying to play a little bit too much, so we got to be ready for the situation of an Ireland do I should say, of teams do slowing down, being incredibly physical. But Australia's discipline was really poor. When you have four neck rolls in, so both sides give away twelve penalties, and Australia had four neck rolls in that first in in that game. In That's the first all Australia half. talked about in the pre-match press conference. Like the, Rennie was talking about that discipline, discipline, discipline. And ironically, it was the thing that just went. Four neck rolls is is incredible. Yeah, like that. It that is it was killing him. 
Ireland give away 12 penalties. They're, they're breakdown stuff. They're being offside, jumping the gun a little bit. These things that are marginal ones that you, of course, you look back and you say you need to be better. But four neck rolls in the, in the game like that is, is, and Fahinga comes on and he's the sub hooker and he gets, he gets Sinbin for it. You know, it's baffling to say the least. Um, we should talk about Scotland who uh, started this window with their best player not in the squad and finish it with him back in the squad and starring against Argentina who are supposed to be one of the like coming forces in world rugby and they put 50 points on them they um, they put a really good performance in against New Zealand the previous week they beat Fiji no, not straightforward but they beat them well in the end uh, I think they did score the four tries and uh, they only lost by a point to Australia um, they're and, we're, our, and we're getting out of the group. They're in our group. You we're know. either playing France or, or, or we haven't even or, talked about Scotland or the possibility, or, like or New Zealand. Um, they're actually. I getting think Saturday better. was crazy because of of the red card, the two yellows. At one stage, they're playing against twelve men, and Buffelli actually scores twelve men against fifteen. They score a try, um, but <coughs> Scotland, yeah, are a very dangerous side, and I, I think. At times, you wonder, have they that kind of um, next step in them to to be really consistent and and get results and get across the line? I think they're always going to be aggressive and competitive when you play against them, and they've some really good players. But and they're listening to all of us say Finn, it's between us and well, South well not me, not me. I've said, I've mentioned this many times, and if there's any Scottish people listening, you can go back and find it. Scotland are going to have a big say in what happens in this group. Mm. You know, Scotland could beat Ireland or beat South Africa. They're they're that kind of a team that if they get it right on the day and they cut out their mistakes and they execute, um, they could yeah. really upset the group. So I think both Scotland and both South Africa and Ireland would be very very mindful of that, and they they wouldn't be underestimating them. And they'll have a say in it. You know, they had a really disappointed Ireland had a bad nineteen World Cup, but Scotland had a a really poor one as well. Ireland walloped him in that first game. There was so much pressure on Gregor Townsend. Talks about you know him stepping down, all that kind of stuff. He's still there and he's fought his way through that. And they've had some big results in the last number of years. The Finn Russell thing is amazing. Like, yeah. Can you imagine if, uh, like <laughs> whatever about our fascination with tens? Uh, I can only begin to imagine what it's like in Scotland at the moment, where like you have this mercurial genius who can't get in the team, is out of the squad. There's like the drinking stuff, and then there's like, no, we're all friends again. And then he's not not in the team, and then he's back in the team, and all of a sudden the team looks great again. It's like, yeah, look, the 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 thing with Finn Russell is he's an incredibly talented, um, off the cuff type of player, and he can give you that that tempo and 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 bounce you like if you need if you're if you're a bit flat in your performances. And um, but he's dependent on a lot of front football. You know what I mean. Forwards doing well, um, breakdown being good and stuff like that. And when when he gets that time and space, he can he can create stuff. He's so ambitious, and that's all he thinks about. He doesn't think about kicking and you know slowing the game down. He wants to play that way. And I he's openly said he's not going to change. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to and be a little bit more boring or direct in your approach. But um, if they can get him right, yeah. If they can get Finn Russell right, he can. It can be a big plus for them, but that relationship between Gregor Townsend and, and Finn Russell is one that, you know, Kinghorn, is he a 10? I don't think so. Um, Adam Hastings was injured. 
we talk about our depth at the fly half position and, and where that's at. It's nearly a situation for, for most teams, yeah. most international teams. Uh, we should talk about England, right? Who come back from the dead at home and uh, it looks like they're going to get absolutely annihilated but scored three tries in the last eight minutes to draw the game. Uh, minor controversy in England, Marcus Smith kicking the ball dead uh, when they get one final opportunity to go and try and win it. But notwithstanding that, right? Um, what, what are we to take from what England are doing at the moment with stuff like this? Like, are they really good or are they really bad? Somewhere in between. Um, I think he's, Eddie Jones has kind of chopped and changed so much in the last two years that it probably, I don't know if it's helped. He may, he, what he's trying to do would probably argue if they go to a World Cup or have a good Six Nations and World Cup, he will say, well, it was, this was my plan all along to be ready for this. Um, it could have been really bad at, at one point on Saturday. New Zealand were were looking like they were going to run away with this yeah. and England were struggling. I think they're stifled in the way they play and Eddie Jones is criticised and I, I like him <laughs> in a way that that quirkiness, that madness, that kind of um, attitude that he doesn't really care at times what he says or where he goes. Um, part of me really likes that in him and he's an entertainer but he's a good coach as well and he's had success a lot of success over the years um, but I think he's it could have been really bad I think if they took a walloping here from the New Zealand it would have it would the pressure would have ramped up again um, they can take a fair bit out of it to say here's the template of what we can do when we play so you play out of desperation and again in any sport if you're five or six goals down a soccer match or a big score in GEA, you're going to yeah. try and get something out of this in the end. And rugby is a prime example of that, the way it can swing. And they threw caution to the wind and they started playing with pace, tempo, offloads, running hard. And quite, you'll ask the question, and English people, I, and, I, and, and I see some of this stuff online as well, why didn't we play like that from the start? You know, Why, didn't, why don't we go like that from the start? Um, so I think they've been very pragmatic in their in their game plans and trying to physically dominate teams, and they're not the same team that beat New Zealand at that 2019 World Cup semi final. Yeah, one of the great performances against a really good New Zealand side. So where are they at? They're somewhere in the middle. I think they can still be a real force if he gets his selections right and um, and if they play with a bit more ambition. Um, will Wayne Pivac survive? This window, like it's very likely to be firing somebody. Wales would have a track record of being happy to fire you very close to a World Cup. And uh, I mean, he looked like he'd made a recovery last year, but you get beaten home by Georgia and suddenly everybody's like, what's going on here? Seven nations. We need seven nations. Yeah, I just thought that, if, I actually thought on, on, uh, on Saturday... If that happened to Ireland, what would the reaction be like? You know, if George, and we've played Georgia a good few times over yeah. the years here, and they give Ireland... They've nearly beaten us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they give Ireland, a, a, you know, a decent enough rattle two years ago. Um, was it last November? I can't remember anyway. It was... It was. Um, is it too late? Yeah, I don't know, Ger. and I think... Who would you get at this stage? Um, well, what will it do? Ask to Scott Robertson to take the gig, but he can have the England job after the World Cup. No problems. You've it all worked get, get out. Good, get some good experience here, Scotty. Put you on the board of Welsh rugby. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, like I think 
the problem for Wales is when they make a number of changes like they did there's there's depth issues and there's um, I think they're trying to get their regions much stronger and more players coming through I think they have a lot of good exciting young potential there but when you go down the depth chart and we're in a similar situation if we were missing a number of players and we probably showed glimpses of 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 it last week even though we got the job done I think but that's an horrendous result for Rails um, it's an incredible result for Georgia and you don't want to be disrespectful saying that what I just said that I think they're improving and they're always a force if if you if you're if you're not physically ready for Georgia they can really um frustrate you and mess you up and they've never beaten us but probably should have beaten us in the 2007 World Cup oh yeah bar Dennis Leamy in the 78 minute he holds one of the Georgian players up where they're they're over the line um and thinking they're scoring a try so um, it's a tough situation for them at the moment. And we, we beat them twenty three ten in twenty twenty November twenty twenty. Yeah, it was beat Italy in the summer as well. Like, like yeah. they're making more and more arguments for inclusion in the Six Nations. Like Wales twelve three up as well. They kind of just I don't know if complacency is the thing when you're twelve three up against a team like Georgia, but like they just gave up. Georgia obviously had that motivation to come back, but they have some serious big incredible players. fight. Um, a lot of their players now, even a lot of their backs are playing in the in the French. Yeah, uh, um, not in the top fourteen, but in a couple of the divisions below, they're all playing. So I think that's going to improve their structures and the the, the quality games that their players are getting. So um, it's great to see, in a sense, that you know you'd love to see Romania and Portugal are going to a World Cup now again. Um, they won, they drew with the USA and uh, knocked them out of the, the last spot available. So we do want to see the game, you know, these teams developing, but. That's not good for Welsh rugby, and I think in the last couple of months, obviously with Italy beating them as well in the Six Nations, do you think he'll survive? Huge pressure. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's there. The half of people are calling for his head. I think he's and and you know Stephen Jones is in there. Someone I played against no really very well. I think the problem is the depth, the amount of players they have. And so the no one's going to come in and fix it? I don't think someone can come in with a magic wand now and fix them. I think they need to fix it themselves, get their best players out in the field. But again, Wales are a team that can get it right on the big big occasions. So If some of the injured players clear up, like we wouldn't fancy seeing them in a knockout stage. I can, uh, I can say that without fear of contradiction. Alan, good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks, Alex.